Our passage today is from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Before we go to God's word, let's pray. Lord, you have communicated to us who you are in your word and in your perfect image, our Savior, Jesus Christ. By the light of his life, Holy Spirit, transform us. May we hear who you are today, and may we trust in the forgiveness that we have through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we might proclaim to this world your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Fellowship is a big deal to John. It's a diagnostic tool for John. It's an assurance for John. It's the source of joy for the apostle John. Fellowship with God, the Father, fellowship with God, the Son, fellowship with fellow believers in Christ. It's important for John. It's a source of great joy. We saw that in the first four verses of the chapter, and here we see also an invitation to join into that joy. Fellowship with God the Father and God the Son is fellowship with John the Apostle. That joy of John is also ours as we join into fellowship. John wants believers today to be on guard against anything that would disrupt that fellowship, against anything that would be a threat to that fellowship. So today, hear the word of God from 1 John chapter 1, starting with verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This ends the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Well, Fellowship is a big deal to John, and what we see today is that fellowship should be a big deal for us as well. And John's trying to help his readers look out for blind spots, look out for things that might hinder our fellowship with God. Most of you are probably familiar with blind spots. We have our car in the rear on the sides. These are areas where we we might not be paying uh, 
close attention to because we can't see. And these are areas where we'll often have problems. We might crash into something that's in our blind spot. We might wreck our cars because we're not paying attention to these blind spots. Automobile manufacturers have come up with all sorts of ways to overcome these blind spots. You have your standard rearview mirrors. You might have sensors that tell you when a car is in your blind spot. Cameras that help us see when we're reversing. And some cars have sensors all around so that wherever an obstacle may be, you know just how close you are to that danger. John's trying to help give us some tools so that we can avoid these blind spots, so that we can pay particular attention to things that are a danger to our fellowship with God, which is so important. It's important for the Apostle John, and it's so important for us as well. Fellowship's a big deal, and so John tells us first that we need a proper understanding of who God is. That's the first potential blind spot. And knowledge of who God is, is a remedy for that. The second is an understanding of fellowship. And third is an understanding of sin. Who God is, but the character of God, fellowship and sin. That's how we'll look at our passage today. The character of God fellowship, and sin. And as we look at these things, we'll come to a better understanding of who God is, the severity of sin, and our necessity for a Savior. So first, God's character. This is a misunderstanding of God's character is the first blind spot that John loved. This is the message that we have heard from you and proclaim to you that God is light. That's the message that John wants us to hear today. God is light. This is a proclamation of God's character, right? We might say, I am flesh, right? This is a proclamation of my character. I am flesh. God is light. It's a character. So what does that mean? God is light. If we just go through scripture briefly, we can get a good understanding of what this means. Well, first, John tells us God is light and there's no darkness at all. So we start to see that light and darkness are opposed. Now, where might we see that in scripture? Well, how about in the Exodus where Moses is leading God's people out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness and here is God, a pillar of fire by night. Very literally, Here, God is light in in the sense of brightness. And what does he do as he's leading his people through the wilderness? He's dispelling darkness. So right off the bat, we can see that light dispels darkness. That's what John says right here. God is light and there's no darkness at all. How else might scripture talk about light? Well, wisdom is described as light. So if wisdom is light, what's the opposite of wisdom? What's the darkness? Foolishness. Well, what happens if you teach a fool wisdom? He's no longer a fool. He's wise now. He has wisdom. You see, light dispels the darkness. Wisdom dispels foolishness. 
What about truth? Light is described, or truth is described as light. What's the opposite of truth? Right? If you replace a lie with the truth, you have dispelled the darkness. Light dispels darkness. That's what John's telling us today. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The light of God dispels darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Eternal life. So we've seen that light is wisdom and truth, but here Jesus says that life is light. Well, let's see, does that hold up to our axiom that light dispels darkness? And at first glance, we might seem to think that that axiom fails because the reality that every single one of us face in this room is death. As we consider life, and death, we might think that death overcomes life, that now somehow darkness is dispelling light. Well, that's not what our axiom says, right? We say that light dispels darkness. So, so how can this be? Well, it can be because of sin. And that is righted by Jesus Christ's death on the cross. In Jesus' death on the cross, he defeated death. Light dispels the darkness every single time. And the death of Jesus Christ destroyed death and overcame it so that all who trust in him would have eternal life. Jesus Christ sets things right. Light dispels darkness. And that's a characteristic of God. Darkness in God at all. And th these aren't things that John has just dreamed up. These aren't something that the apostles sat around a fire and, and considered and came up with. No, this is a direct revelation from God. This is the message that we have heard from him. The message that they have heard from Jesus Christ himself. About the character of God. The Apostle John lived in the midst of Jesus, the perfect image of God's character, the light of the world. That's how he came to know that God is light. Because it's proclaimed in the word of God, and it's proclaimed by the life of Jesus Christ. And he knew Jesus personally. And now he proclaims it to his readers Right? So we see that this message comes from the Word of God, but it also comes through the preaching of the Word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how we know that God is light, because we know it from God's revelation and the proclamation of his Word. Westminster Shorter Catechism number 89 asks, how is the Word made effectual to salvation? The answer the Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through unto salvation. The Word of God is made effectual 
through the reading and the proclamation of this gospel of Jesus Christ, the one who sets the axiom right, that light dispels darkness, because he has come into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome him. This is a characteristic of God. God is light. John says, start here, and we're going to go back all throughout this passage, understanding why darkness and light can't be together. Start here with the characteristic of God. That's the first help that he gives us to understanding a blind, or to avoiding a blind spot, to avoiding a pitfall. Well, next we want to understand fellowship. And he gives us a test. Do you say that you have fellowship? Do you call yourself a Christian? If you say you're a Christian, do you act like it? He's saying, if you say you're a Christian, do you act like it? Because being in the light of God changes a person. And if you're not changed, you might have a problem. Well, if we're going to use this tool, let's think about fellowship for a second. What, what is fellowship? Fellowship is a, a close, mutual involvement with another person. With a shared purpose represents this well in John 17 as he's praying for his disciples. John 17, says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Picture-perfect fellowship. Look how close the relationship is. I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfectly one. It doesn't get much closer than that. It's a close mutual involvement for a common purpose. Jesus says that these things should happen so that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them even as you loved me. The world should see the love of God through the way we live our lives. That's that shared purpose that the followers of Jesus Christ share to bear forth the character of God, the image of God, that God is light. So he says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. If we fail that test, we have a problem, right? Now, who, if we say that we have fellowship, who are we saying to? Well, we're proclaiming very clearly to the world that we are Christians and we can say that with our words and we should profess faith in Jesus Christ but oftentimes our actions speak much more clearly than our words. And our actions should bear the characteristics of God who is light. And if that's not happening, that's a problem. Because we tell the world, I say I'm an image bearer of God, bringing forth the characteristics of God into this fallen world, but I don't forgive. Well, God 
as a God who forgives. If we don't forgive, what does that say to the world? If we don't have mercy, what does that say to the world? If we don't care for the poor, what does that say? If we're not involved in the mission of reconciliation, of sinners to God through proclaiming the gospel to people, what does that say? It's confident that God is. And so with our actions, very clearly, we speak our beliefs, even though we might say we're Christians with our words. We can also speak to ourselves. And this is the, the tool that John gives us, right? This is the reflection, personal reflection, so that we can be aware, right? Be aware of your blind spots. Be aware of the areas of your life you might sin. Maybe you have a bad temper. Maybe you're inclined to anger. Be aware of that. Know that it's there. Understand that actions speak louder than words. As we reflect on the character of God, and we see that that character of God should shape our lives, can start to compare ourselves to the, compare, to the character of God so that we can understand where we fall short, so that we can understand what we need to pray for, where we need help, where we need to seek out strength from our God. God's character saturates everything that he does. Verse 7, if we as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So first, John says God is light, and now he's saying God is in the light. So what's going on? Well, right here we have a parallel between God in the light and us walking in the light, right? God in, light, in the light is action. It's God in action that's clearly informed here by who God is. God is love. He's always going to act in a loving way. God is faithful. He's always going to act in accordance with his faithfulness. He'll always do as he says he's going to do. God is just. He'll always act righteously. In short, God is godly. It's pretty clear, right? God will never act in a way that is not godly. God's character, God is light, directly informs how God acts. God is in the light. And it should do the same for us. It saturates his actions, and the character of God should saturate our actions too as we are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer and the reading of his word and the consideration of how God calls us to live versus how we really live. And what's the result? That we have fellowship with one another. We love one another as we love ourselves. And that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, now we're starting to see that, that sin is a problem. 
Sin is a reality for everyone. Why would you need to be cleansed if you're not dirty? Well, John says, let's not mince words here. Sin is serious, and you need to know the reality of sin. But you also need to know the reality that although you profess to be a Christian, and that although you sin and you make mistakes and the world says, look, you're not a Christian, and Satan tempts you to despair as you look at your life and say, I have failed you. John reminds us that the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, cleanses us from unrighteousness. And that darkness that threatens to separate us from God is no more. This cleansing is a perpetual cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ for all who trust in him. Did you make a mistake yesterday? Did you sin yesterday? You're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Maybe coming to worship, you weren't acting very godly. Guess what? Your sins are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Tomorrow, are you going to make a mistake or the next day? Yes, you are. That's what John's telling us. You will sin, but you have a great hope that stems from the very character of God. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you. Now, this is not to make light of sin. This is not to say we should just go about willy-nilly living our lives, not worrying about sin but that when we do, we're not without hope. That moves us to our third point, an understanding of sin. We need to have a proper understanding of sin because sin is our chief problem. It's the chief barrier between us and God. God is holy. He's perfect. And our sin defiles us. It makes us imperfect. What did we go back to in the beginning? God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. We are dispelled from the presence of God by the filth of our sin. It really is a big deal. The blind spot is is that we're really good at deceiving ourselves. Though we sin, and though we hear it quite a bit, We're good at deceiving ourselves. We're not very good at deceiving the people around us, probably. And I guarantee we're not good at deceiving God. But we're good at saying, you know what? I'm not as bad as, not as bad as, you know, other people. I'm not that bad. Surely God's going to let me in. We're good at deceiving ourselves. And so John gives us a very simple test. It's a very simple yes or no question. Do you sin? That's John's question here. Do you sin? And there's only two answers, yes or no. So let's try the test out loud. Do you sin? (laughs) Those of you who answered yes, you are correct. (laughs) The truth is in you. You agree with the word of God. Yes, I sin. Now, If 
you're saying, well, no, I don't sin. I'm, I'm actually pretty good. You have a big problem. You're denying the reality of sin. The truth's not in believed. You have a big blind spot. And that blind spot is a threat to your fellowship with God. In fact, the truth is not in you, and you don't have fellowship with God. That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. You know, if we know of our sin, we can be watchful for our sin. And if we know of our sin, we can seek the solution. We can seek the solution forgiveness and faith in Jesus Christ. Let's say we have a COVID test that never fails, right? There's no false positives. It's always right. And you take the COVID test and it says positive. Okay. You can accept that test that's always right, or you can deny that test that's always right. Now, how does that play out? Let's say, let's say you say, you know what? I know this test is always right. I know it says positive, but I don't have any symptoms. I think I'm fine. What if you just deny the fact that you have COVID? Eventually, you'll have symptoms. Eventually, you'll have problems. And as much as you tell yourself that you don't have COVID, you're hacking and you're coughing and your exhaustion and your fevers and all the other things that come with it will say otherwise. And everyone around you will know it. And God will certainly know it. But what good does it do to deny it? You're still consequences of being sick. Now, what if you look at that test and you go, oh, I have COVID. I need to make sure I get some rest. I need to be well hydrated. I need to go see my doctor. I need to seek out a solution so that I can be healed. That's what John wants us to understand about sin, that it's a serious problem. And that problem does nothing for our good. But when we accept that we are sinners, we understand the severity of sin, the reality of sin, and then we know the necessity of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and forgiveness through Him. So you can just carry this with you through the week. When you take that test, if we say yes, confess, right? If we say yes, confess, right? That's what John tells us to do. If we confess he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once again, we see how the character of God, who God is, informs his actions. Why are we forgiven? Because he's faithful. Why are we forgiven of our sins? Because God is faithful as our redeemer to deliver us from the chains of our sins because he promised to Messiah to cleanse us of our sins and to bring us back into communion with him. And because he promises that all who trust in Christ will have the spirit of God to guide them in their lives and to help them grow in their faith. He forgives us because God is faithful. And he forgives us because God is just. Well, how can it be just that we don't have to pay for our own sins? 
It's because God is never going to ask for the same payment twice. For everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ, your sins are paid for. We sang it. Jesus paid it all. If Jesus paid your debt, God will not come to you and say, you need to pay up too. The wrath of God has been poured out on Jesus no longer poured out on you, and that is justice. The perfect justice of God Almighty. So who God is, once again, informs how God acts. And all these things start to build up our confidence in God, our confidence in our Savior. God can't act ungodly forgive us of our sins. And so it may be scary to go to God with our sins, the perfect God, holy and us defiled by sins, knowing that light dispels darkness. That is terrifying to go in the presence of a holy God. And yet we can go with confidence, knowing that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It can be scary, but trust Christ with your imperfections. Trust Christ and don't deny him. Prove him over and over again, trusting in his mercies day after day because of who he is, God Almighty. Be strengthened in your assurance be strengthened in your fellowship with God the Father and God the Son, with your brothers and sisters here, knowing the joy of salvation because we are washed clean. Never forget who God is, that God is light. Never forget the severity of our sin, but the total effectiveness of the blood of Jesus Christ. Never forget the necessity of our good Savior, our Lord Jesus, the Son of God. All praise be to him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are humbled that you would come to us while we were yet your enemies and send your Son to die for our sins. Lord, that you would desire a relationship with us. We are humbled and give you thanks. And we give you glory, Lord, for our forgiveness, for our Christ, and that you are the God of light. Transform us for your glory. Amen. Amen. Having heard the good news of the gospel, let us rise and profess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe.